Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We had daily face-offs. Mike McKenna on before we went to news. It's 136 in Edmonton, and he talked about the fact that, uh, sorry, 236 in Edmonton. He talked about the fact that the Vegas Golden Knights do a great job suppressing shots. They have three of the top six shot blockers in the league, if you include the regular season and the playoffs. Alec Martinez, who won a couple cups with the uh, LA Kings, leads the way at 258. Braden McNabb is third in the league at 204. And Alex Petrangelo, sixth at 190. This is Oilers Now, and we're going to head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline at 237 in Edmonton for our NHL insider, John Shannon, for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy, Legacy Heating and Cooling. John, before we get to the series itself, I want to get to scheduling and the snafu that occurred because originally it was reported by the league that uh, we would be playing games Wednesday and Friday um, in Las Vegas. Can you perhaps explain, and I know there's a couple different theories out there, but uh, what, what what are you hearing happened and uh, did it in part uh, uh, happen as a result of the fact that the Florida Panthers did not want to play in a night in which the Miami Heat were playing earlier in the day in Miami? That was uh, not near the the key factor, Bob. The key factor was a concert in Seattle on Saturday night that could not be moved, unlike the concert in Edmonton that was moved from Wednesday to Thursday next week. Okay. So that be, that became the major issue in that they only want they they did not want just Seattle's game to be moved, and they needed to. They needed to try to protect the Canadian networks, too. They wanted to make sure that Saturday and Sunday were covered in a certain manner with Edmonton and Toronto. So it became a domino effect between what TNT and ESPN needed. Uh, The fact that the Kraken couldn't play Saturday night, so they had to get moved to Sunday. I will tell you that there was a concern about the Miami Heat. But the heat game is in the afternoon, not at night, so that right. wasn't near the factor that the people made it out to be. The key thing was that concert in Seattle that changed the whole dynamic. What we have now, and I think I think there's lots of people that are disappointed, is that we have Friday and Saturday with just a single game. And, you know, the overload that we have in the first round with four games a night, now we're down to one game a night already in game two, is, or gate round two is a bit of a surprise for a lot of people. Yeah, well, and we have some disappointed Oilers fans, as you, you can well imagine, John, because initially, I mean, they had to make a quick decision to purchase flights to get down here. And if they thought the games were going to be Wednesday and Friday, the majority of those people wanted to fly back Saturday to avoid the hell that is the Las Vegas airport on a Sunday when everybody's getting out of town for all the conferences. And I think that's understandable, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, and I, I was... I was one of those guys that was completely shocked that when the NHL put out the schedule for the first four days, uh, that they that they changed it after the fact, and and I think it's I think it surprised a lot of people. And what happened really was I think the league felt forced to put out the first couple of nights, uh, but they put out the first couple of nights before the Seattle series was finished. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's, uh, so, you know, I'd not heard the Seattle wrinkle, so I'm glad you're providing some perspective, yeah. you know, because I think most of the, 
narrative out there involves sort of uh, Florida. But let's get to it. Uh, Vegas and Seattle, we should mention, these have been two of the best organizations for the National Hockey League and changed the complexion of how revenue sharing works, John, haven't they? Uh, without a doubt, Bob. Without a doubt. I mean, Seattle, Seattle has the third highest ticket price in the National Hockey League which when you think it's a second-year franchise is absolutely phenomenal and there was a ton of pressure in seattle last year for ron francis to have a much more competitive team and he he stayed the course in so many ways uh, by not making trades at the key trades at last year's deadline and then again at this year's deadline uh, and then it having paid off uh, in spades for that club this year and listen what 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 vegas has done and, and you, have, you have to give the commissioner some credit because he, he learned the hard way that when you created expansion opportunities in the late 90s uh, and you didn't allow teams to have quality hockey players, I mean, you know, Columbus and Minnesota were getting the 18th and 19th best players off rosters as opposed to the 10th and 11th best players off rosters. That changed the whole dynamic. And so the owners couldn't complain in the end because their expansion fee went from $80 million in the late 90s to five to $650 million, which Seattle and Vegas paid. So that was a quality move. And, but, the, but you know what? The owners in those two cities, they got what they paid for. The other thing that happened is we had the advancement of the salary cap in 0405, and that was a game changer too because... Um, and Gary's not a big word. He doesn't like the word uh, parity as much as he likes competitive balance. And I think we saw in the opening round of the playoffs, John, especially in the Seattle-Colorado and Florida-Boston uh, series, that we do indeed have competi competitive balance. Well, really, there was, there was only one outlier in so many ways, only one outlier in standings this year, Bob, and that was the Boston Bruins. <laughs> and and look what happened to the Boston Bruins in the first round. So there, you know, when you think about how many hundred point teams did make the playoffs, only two teams that had ninety points or more in that ninety to hundred point window. I think it was just Florida and Winnipeg. You know, the the, the competitive balance in the National Hockey League right now is phenomenal, which points to one other thing, Bob: thirty three and eighteen road teams winning 33 of 51 hockey games so far which is absolutely amazing yeah there's no question i mean it's it's crazy right now john what do you make of the head-to-head -head matchup does it mean anything at all that the owners went 3-0 and one against vegas this year uh you know they were five for nine on the power play vegas is the least penalized team in the nhl Edmonton's won four straight games in this building. Does that even matter at all in this series? Um, I think there's something to be said for it from an Oiler perspective with comfort in playing in Vegas, not being intimidated by the noise. By the way, I think on a good night, I think Rogers' place is louder than T-Mobile. Um, so from that perspective, I think that there's not an intimidation factor. The other key thing for me, Bob, and I don't have my notes in front of me, is how many games did Mark Stone play of those four? One. 
You know, he is he's such a catalyst. He's such a catalyst on this team. Uh, the complexion of their their team changes when Mark Stone is A, healthy, and B, in the lineup. And I'm not sure how healthy he is now. I saw him skate off the ice yesterday after practice. He, uh, he is he, officially, he looked, uh, Bruce Cassidy said he's going to play tonight. He's in. Yeah, but the question is, is how close to 100% is he? And do the Oilers want to take advantage and, and you know and try to try to catch him and, and use use a bit of uh, physical force against them? That to me is a big part of it. But Mark Stone is the straw that stirs the drink in Vegas more so than anybody else. And if he's a hundred percent or close to a hundred percent, then then that's that's a bigger factor than what's happened in the regular season. We just had Mike McKenna on, and we talked a bit about the goaltending matchup and maybe one that nobody saw at the start of the season. I mean, if Edmonton and Vegas were to play in the second round, who had Stuart Skinner going head to head against LB Laurent Massois? <laughs> and I haven't, uh, I haven't seen any notes, and I'm sure that there's lots of questions to Stuart. But he would have watched Massois play for the Oilers, correct? Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, as a as a as a as a young kid, as a what a, a thirteen or fourteen year old would have watched well, Laurent play. Seven, uh, he would have been, yeah, he was. I mean, at, at fourteen was the twelve thirteen season. He would have seen Brassois with the Evans Oil Kings during the eleven twelve season. But in twelve thirteen, Stewart was playing for the South Side as a Bantam Triple, so second year Bantam, and then ended up going the first round of the draft. And then in seven, you know, in his first year down in Lethbridge. Or no, that was his last. Right. His last year of junior, he would have seen Brassois with the Oilers during the course of the 17 okay. season. So, so I I covered the, the the Vegas Jets series pretty closely, and what I can tell you is this is not the Laurent Brassois that played for the Oilers. And I hope this fans understand to- that. This is a totally different goaltender. Uh, completely in control. Uh, will admit that he had he learned a ton of playing for those two years in Winnipeg with Connor Hellebuck about the position. Uh, and I, 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 to the point where I think goaltending. I don't know what Mike said. I'm sorry I didn't listen. But I think goaltending's a wash in this series. Okay. Uh, what Mike said is he doesn't think Brassois, if Vegas loses a series, that it's going to be on Brassois. But he did think because the Oilers could score, if Edmonton loses a series, it might be a reflection on Skinner. He said, in other words, he said he thought he thought Skinner would have more pressure. I think he's saying that the the defensive posture that Vegas plays with gives uh, Brassois a little bit of an advantage. They're so good at shot suppression and those sort of things. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, and Mike reads the numbers better than I do, and Mike played the position better than I did, so I, I can respect that. I, I just think that, you know, the way the Oilers play the game, you know, I mean, did 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 uh, Corpusalo outplay Skinner over the six games in the end? Did he? No, not in the end. He didn't. Uh, no, first three games. No, he did. I know. Yeah, but it, but you know, you don't win a series in three games. You win it in six, and and so I, that's why I that's why I think goaltending in this series is a wash. Um, and and it, either guy can steal a game, and either guy can cost you a game. So it's not it to me. If you gave me five factors on why a certain team would win this series, goaltending is not one of those five factors. Final question for you, John. Make the call. Edmonton and Vegas. What happens? Well, I think it's the Oilers. I, I think it's the Oilers in six or seven. 
uh, and it would not surprise me to be six. And, you know, I, I just I just don't know how, in the end, any team... First of all, Vegas has to stay out of the box. We know they don't take many penalties, but they have to stay out of the box. But I don't know any team that can manage Leon and Connor back-to-back differently. And this team, as good and deep as, as Vegas is, they... They're not. They may not be as good as Los Angeles was in trying to manage those two guys. That is uh, John Shannon. He'll join us on Friday's show. John, thank you for your time. Here's Bob. Cheers. One forty-nine in Edmonton. We'll wrap up the show with this day in Oilers history for our friends at New West Travel. Might be the best big-time performer in the game right now, Leon Dreisaitl. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you from Vegas. It's 2.52 in Edmonton. We're going noon to three throughout the course of the Oilers' playoff run. This day in Oilers' history is for New West Travel. Serving travelers since 1979. Book your vacation today with NewWestTravel.com. Brendan, what do you got? We'll go back to 1988. Wayne Gretzky with three assists leading the Oilers uh, to a 4-1 win over the visiting Detroit Red Wings. Game one of the Campbell Conference Finals. Uh, teams combined for 82 penalty minutes in that game. And Bob, I'm sure you remember why. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> well, they had Probert and they had Kosher and they were tough. And uh, the Oilers star players had a lot of respect for Probert because he had real good hands. Uh, I know that uh, in both 87 and in 88, uh, I think one of those years he ended up with 29 goals and 60 points, and he was considered the best fighter in the NHL. Uh, The late Dave Semenko dusted off uh, Kosher probably around 85 was when Dave was still here. So it was 85, 86. I remember he he got the jump on him and tuned him pretty good, and Kosher was one of those rare times because Kosher could chuck him. But Kevin McClellan ended up uh, fighting a couple guys. I think uh, Randy Gregg maybe fought Mark Lamb in that game as well. Mark Lamb was with Detroit. Uh, The late Jacques Demers was coaching the Detroit Red Wings. And the Oilers played him uh, back-to-back in the playoffs in in both 87 and 88. And again, the player... Uh, the, a lot of the Oiler players, uh, they had a lot of time for Bob Probert. I mean, that's when Bob Probert was, you know, throughout the late 80s and in the early 1990s, really until the mid-1990s, was probably seen as, what was Dennis Bobby's line? You're going to make me or break me, Proby, and that's kind of how it was uh, back in the day. Here's the deal. Uh, tomorrow, we'll have another three-hour edition of Oilers Now. Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrus for GCL Diesel will join us at 12.35. At 1 o'clock, probably through until 2, we'll take calls and texts and those sort of things and have a little bit more interactive. We're going to be back here at T-Mobile Arena tonight for the face-off show. Uh, Reed Wilkins will get it started at 5.30. I'll join Reed at 6 as we'll have game one of round two with the Oilers and the Golden Knights. It is a 7.50 puck drop tonight. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn, followed by Chelsea on Chad with Chelsea Bird live from Ice District. Special thanks to our uh, engineer, Ray Ragel and Brendan Escott for pulling double duty today. Back at you at 6.05 live from T-Mobile Arena.